This episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast is brought to you by Too Soon and Beginnings by, by Julian Dion. Yeah, that's right. My two comedy albums, Too Soon and Beginnings, now available for digital download at jdcomedy.ca. jdcomedy.ca. It's Thursday, September 14th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. On this episode, Wakefield Sessions once again continues with Pedorathist actor and self-described local muse Jill Rick is on the program. We go deep. Another one, another one for the books, and it all starts now. Comedy Hour Podcast. Wakefield Sessions continues. We're coming at you from Lemon Press Studios in the Gatineau Hills. Hi, hi, hi. Jill Rick is my guest today. If you're from around here, you know her. If you're in any of the other 64, 63 countries, 64 total, that are listening to this, well, you're about to meet Jill Rick. She's an artist in the truest sense of the form. She's a pedorathist as well. I did not know what that was, which we go over it. We get into it. She's an actor and self-described local muse. We'll get into all that with her. Jill Rick is my guest today, and it's another, another good one. Well, shit. I wonder, I wonder which episode, like who's going to be my guest, what, what day is it going to be that I come on here and I go, thanks for tuning in, this one is shit. This episode is complete garbage. Because I find myself repetitive saying it's a good one, it's like, especially if you're binge listening to this and you just listen to a few in a row. Yeah, but here's the thing, it's the truth. They're good. And I struggle with the descriptions of the notes because, you know, we have hour, hour and a half plus conversations and and the show notes are important for people that don't know who these people are that I'm interviewing outside of Wakefield and outside of Canada or wherever. So, but my descriptions have been pretty bad. They don't match up. So if you're just tuning in right now for the first time, you see the Julian Dion Comedy Hour and you... Look in the show notes. It doesn't say that much. Just trust me on this. They're all good. Go back. And uh, it's the guests that make the show. I'm just here to guide them through. If you want to email me, it's pod, P-O-D, at jdcomedyhour.com. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at jdcomedy or Waste of time. All right. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I was going to say something and I forget. I got lost in the music. I can't remember. Anyway, welcome to the show. Subscribe on iTunes and YouTube. So then you get automatically, you get new episodes autom- automatically. Oh. Looking forward to the weekend and not talking. So much talking all the time. I was looking on the internet, I mean looking on the internet, we're always on the internet, always. And you know, fake news is a big thing, but you know, it's it's the last couple years I guess, because you never know what's real when you're reading Facebook or scrolling through your news feeds or Twitter and all that, but I keep seeing these these articles pop up about, first of all, I must be a genius, because every article I see, they're like negative traits, but that are supposedly signs of really smart people. Do you know what I mean? Like before, before, if you were lazy, you were just lazy. Now it's like, you see, I see it all the time. I saw one today. Uh, 
study suggests that lazy people are geniuses and it's always like a negative thing offset by like the best thing ever. Turns out late people can figure out how to get to Mars and back on no fuel. It's all, it's always a thing about like a negative like a um what you call it? A not a draw, drawback. What am I, I'm drawing a blank. Weakness. It's always a weakness offset by this insane strength. Have you seen those? It's like, turns out people that don't talk to anybody, sleep in, are late all the time, and lie, are really brilliant people. Studies, study shows. I like to, I like to, that's going to change the interview process now, right? Tell me about your weak weaknesses. I'm a compulsive liar, but turns out that makes the best CEOs. So, take it up with Facebook. Do I get the job? Says I'm late on the t all the time, which means my brain is double the size of most humans. That means I'm really good with money and documents. So do I start today or tomorrow? Anyway, there's a lot of that. Next time you see it, you'll think of me. You'll go, oh yeah, that's right. All right, let me get to my guest uh, today here. Actually, before I do, let me just say this. Uh, Wakefield, uh, Le Ibu presents Chen Grant, Julian Dion and Friends. That's right. A night of stand-up comedy coming at you on October 12th. That is October 12th at Le Ibu here in Wakefield. More details to come. It'll be myself and Jen Grant and a few other comedians from the Ottawa area. And uh, we're bringing it. Bringing it. It's been two years since our last show there, and it's always a good time. We've done a handful of them over the years, and we are back. So mark your calendars. Mark your save the date. More information will be coming out um, soon about that, but just a preliminary heads up. October 12th, Jen Grant and myself, Le Ibu, night of stand-up. Okay, enjoy now my chat with Wakefield's own Jill Rick. And yes, once again, this episode is brought to you by Too Soon and Beginnings, my two personal comedy albums. Yeah, that's right, my two live comedy albums that I've worked very hard to put out there are available now for digital download at jdcomedy.ca. Yeah, I know you're curious. You hear me on here talking and interviewing, and you must wonder what, you know, what it's like. I do comedy for a living. Maybe you've been to a show. You want to capture that again. You want, to, want a little souvenir. Well, go to jdcomedy.ca and download Too Soon and Beginnings. jdcomedy.ca. What's that? What's that? You want a little taste? Sure, I'll get... Oh, I'll wet your beak. Here's Too Soon. My, da my dad actually killed a rooster once by its legs uh, against a um, barn wall. That happened. <laughs> that was a real thing. I ran over a raccoon and I cried myself to sleep for a week. <laughs> a week! <laughs> Here's beginnings. This was weird. I just looked at Reject and he went like this. <laughs> Which usually means fucking, right? <laughs> usually it's like... Oh, CPR, got it, okay. You're not gonna come up here and have your way with me in front of my, my passed out, you're like, yeah, all right, here we go, all right. What am I even talking about in those clips? Well, only one way to find out. Download Too Soon in Beginnings at jdcomedy.ca. That's jdcomedy.ca. Do it today. You and me belong. Just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People, I need to loose. Sing a little song, then take a shower. Julian Dion, comedy hour. And here we are. You like that? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> that was Mike Bennett, a super talented, uh, <laughs> super talented guy. And here we are. Wakefield Sessions continues today with my guest. And uh, I mean, I, I'm sound, uh, for anybody that's listened to all of them, I sound rep repetitive because I say, "Am I very excited to interview this one?" And I am actually. Uh, and uh, so, just to preface, whether it's a first-time listener or you've heard them all. Just ignore this part if you've heard them all. Wakefield Sessions is all about Wakefield. So basically, I moved here. I do the podcast since I've been doing it since 2014, and I talk about my life a lot. Hence, I've talked about Wakefield, and it's hard to to paint the picture 
in enough words for people to actually get what this place is all about and what happens here. So this is my way to kind of introduce Wakefield to the world by way of all of the interesting people and characters that make up this place. So and for so that'll introduce Wakefield to the world. And for locals, it's a chance for, for you guys to get to know my guests a little more so that when they run into the street, they go, oh, my God, I know, now I know her. Uh, my guest today, she's a staple in the community. She comes highly recommended by many, many people. That's how I, I windled down the list because a million people were rec- recommended. So I would start with uh, people that were recommended more than once. She came up a bunch of time, self-described as a village muse. She's, uh, she's an actor and she's uh, around. You've seen her, you know her, you love her. Jill Rick is my guest today. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Great to be here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks for being in uh, in my studio slash kitchen. Yeah, it's great. I thought we were going to be in a closet or something. Oh, yeah. I'll show you the closet after. <laughs> oh, okay, That's good. a little too small for for guests. Okay. So um, so I do it at my kitchen table. All the monologues are done at uh, in my closet, which oh. I'll show you after. It would it would be very intimate if we did that there. Oh, okay. We'd get, okay. really get to know each other in the closet. All right. Well, <laughs> could be interesting. <laughs> it could be the, uh, the, but you ever play a, as a kid seven minutes in heaven or seven minutes in the closet? No, no, sorry. <laughs> That's before iPads and stuff. We had no other way of entertaining ourselves. You'd go in a closet with someone, turn off the lights for seven minutes oh, and just see what they'll have. Okay. <laughs> no, I haven't done that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is the note uh, we started on. Uh, so Jill, Rick, so where, where are you from originally? Well, I grew up in the Eastern Township, so I'm actually a Quebec girl. Okay, no yep. way. Whereabouts yep. in the Eastern Township? I was, okay, as an Anglo-Quebecer, okay. I was born in Saint-Foy, Quebec. Oh, wow, okay. So not <laughs> but, very Anglo at all. But in, no, no, I, totally Anglo. Oh, is it a super Anglo um, community? And, well, not Saint-Foy, Quebec. That's as French as it gets, but that's my what I meant, family yeah. was very Anglo. And we, Got it. We moved to the Eastern Township, so I don't remember the Quebec experience like my older brothers and sisters. Yeah. So, yeah, grew up in Quebec. How, how does your family end up in St. Foy, Quebec, if you're Anglo? Uh, my dad had a business, so um, and I was uh, child number seven of seven. Oh, wow. Yeah, it took them seven tries to get it right. Yeah. At least that's what I told my brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and uh, they, I guess... Uh, what were kind of business? He was in industrial transmission equipment business, the middleman. So anything that moves... They would um, help. So I worked there summers sometimes. Yeah. So you learned about sprockets and sockets and chains and bearings and and assembly lines, anything that moved, they would help supply. So, you know, all the big companies like Kraft and Oscar Mayer and all that, you know, they, they have moving parts. So they would, uh, they were in Montreal, based in Montreal. And how close, oh, Saint-Foy, that's super close if it's an eastern township, I guess. No, no, Saint-Foy was on the Quebec side, but right. then we moved to the eastern townships, which was where oh, both my parents were from. Okay. So uh, it was the best place for my mom to, to be with seven kids all day while my dad was in Montreal uh, at the office. So he would come home weekends and during the week, but uh, he had a little place and and smart man he knew how to run a business without having to come home every night to seven yeah. kids oh, wow. <laughs> yeah you figured it out right there uh-huh. so he had a little place in montreal and mm-hmm. obviously the house uh, in the big house yeah wow yeah and uh, yeah because i was wondering i was like is saint foy the hub of industrial transmissions like <laughs> no 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 it's beautiful but yeah mm-hmm. i've never been there i don't know it very well <laughs> how, oh yeah how close is it to montreal oh it's another two hours it's right next to quebec city Oh, it's right shit. next to Quebec City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! So yeah, you really you're, traveled. You're, you're not a Quebecer, are you? <laughs> no. Well, my grandfather is from Quebec, from Saint Hubert, Quebec, close oh, okay. to uh, Rivière du Loup. Yeah. There's two Saint Huberts, I guess, but yeah, the one from that's right. Uh, so my grandfather, Dion, from Quebec. But now I grew up uh, on the East Coast in New Brunswick. So I'm an Acadian. Oh, okay. Uh, on my mom's side. Acadian, you know, both grandparents, and on my dad's side, my grandfather was from Quebec, but my grandmother was an Acadian woman okay. from, from uh, back east. So, so, do you speak French? Yeah, it's my first language. Oh, no way. Yeah, Acadian I didn't even French. know. I yeah, didn't yeah. detect anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's funny because anytime I speak French to someone from Quebec, I, 10 times out of 10, they reply in English. Because they think it's an English dialect, right. an ac- accent, and they think they're doing me a favor. But, yep. I, but I keep going in my weird French. They keep going in this broken English, and we keep going on this weird linguistics chicken game that we, it's like whoever's going to give up first. Yep. And it's funny. It's It could be the slightest little word, like, it, it, actually in between words, like a 
French person will go, like when you're in between, but an Anglo Anglo person will go, um, and I do the um, right? Because that's Anglo, yeah. Where I grew up. And so people hear that, even just that, and they go English, and then I keep going in French. And then it's this weird little thing that happens. And then sometimes I play out a conversation in my head beforehand. I'm like, okay, where's this conversation going to go? And then I start thinking of a word. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, that's going to sound a little English. And then sure enough, they start, oh, yeah, well, yes, yes, well, we can help you here. And I'm like, no, I'm French. But, <laughs> so it's this weird uh, thing that happens. But, well, uh, for us, English sometimes is hard to decipher. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the accent, yeah. Well, it's very similar, like the English accent and the Acadian accent, because we roll our R's at the tip of our tongue. It's not mm-hmm. like in the back of the throat. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more like, you know, kind of Spanish or whatever in the mm-hmm. tip. So I think that's another clean giveaway That's a hint. and so people uh, keep going but anyway enough about that and so how did you end up uh, in Wakefield what's your story what, where, what's well the funny thing is I just moved to Wakefield in June <laughs> okay so you're new here <laughs> no not really you've been I, in and out I was living in Chelsea for and a lot of people don't know this from Wakefield because every time I'd see somebody they go what you live in Chelsea? And I'm like, <laughs> I kind of had to admit it, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I was in Chelsea for, uh, gosh, 28 years. Is that right? Whereabouts in Chelsea? Like Farm Point or? Well, started in a little house on the 105 mm-hmm. and uh, rented that and then moved in in 1995, just before my second child was born and uh, lived there for 22 years. But kids have grown up and it was time for mom to move on. So uh, I thought, well, let's go to where everybody knows me anyway. <laughs> yeah. So you would just spend all of your time here, but be exactly. based in Chelsea. Exactly. And Nikki Mantel herself said I was an honorary uh, Wakefieldian. Oh, there yeah. You go. So I, I'm good. I mean, yeah. And did you move like right in the village or in and around? Or no, I'm in Farrelton. Okay. Where's that yeah. again? I'm not. Yeah. I don't... Just north. Just ten, north. Ten minutes north. Yeah. Like alcove, kind of past that. Just that past alcove. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Just so past alcove. There's a little green bridge. Yeah. And that's Farrelton right there. Okay. Got and there's it. the artist's uh, um, path. The yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a church there actually. Well, yep. English church. There you I go. I took my parents there. My parents are super Catholic, and uh, I think they think I go to church every Sunday. So I had to map out where the oh, local churches were when they came. You're a good boy. When they there came. you go. <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, we'll go here. I always go here. And I just like <laughs> GPS on, like, okay, let's go. And uh, But we went, uh, yeah, there was a little English um, mass there. Yeah, Farrell's, and that's exactly where it was. You got to you gotta be careful because if you've been there before, they will know. Right. right <laughs> and if right. you haven't been there before, they will know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was kind of like, well, I, let's try this one because there's so many around here, but this is one I haven't gone to yet. And so, and then there was like um, like a fruit stand or something close. That's to there right. Or something. Yeah. Yep. That's just before. Yeah, just before the Green Bridge. That's Farrelton proper. Got it. Yeah. It's the greater Farrelton area. You got it. The GFA. There it is. See, there's a lot of accidents there that happen around yeah, there. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, it narrows down just at Farrelton, and they don't lower it from 90. So, yeah. yeah. And I ride my bike along there, and yeah. Whoa, little, you ride your bike in and out of town? You got it. Oh, my you God. You got it. You that's, darn right. Because that's a high-speed highway that you're... You got it, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you got to give the finger really fast. Otherwise, they don't <laughs> they see don't it, see you it. know. It's, it's pointless. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you ever you get time it well, freaked yeah. out? Or anything uh, driving or riding down the highway? Not so much there, no. There's a couple of spots along the rock cuts that's kind of crazy, but I don't know. Uh, you know, as a cyclist, I think I should be able to ride into town otherwise, yeah, you sure. know. And yeah, you can. You can take the other side of the river and go along the, the dirt road, but a lot of days this summer it was uh, pouring rain. I don't right. want to be covered in mud. I'll tell you what freaks me out is when you go, I used to ride from Chelsea to my work in Ottawa, and I was in Ottawa South, like near Kilbourne. Now, now that's an hour ride, yeah. but uh, holy cow, uh, that'll freak you out yeah. because there are some spots that are not made for cyclists. And like I imagine when you get close to the border there, that that kind of. Well, actually, one of the worst spots. Sorry, Chelsea, I don't mean to do this, but yeah, Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea was pretty bad. Along the 105 was pretty dangerous. And uh, and just between Chelsea and Gatineau, there's a crazy spot there. That's there, there's no way to maneuver it safely. So you just kind of hope for the best. Any you know? close calls? Tighten your helmet. And, um, no, yeah. Well, there's always close calls, but life-threatening close calls, no. But a few where 
Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of potty mouth on the bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will whip my helmet off and yeah. walk towards somebody. I can be pretty big, you know, yeah. when I'm mad. <laughs> That'll make me mad, yeah. Yeah, that's a skill. <laughs> so, mm, I yeah. get the same way behind we, the wheel. Yeah, well, yeah. we had a few discussions and... Uh, when you're behind the wheel and I'm on my bike, let me tell you, I'm going to defend myself. So yeah. I think it's, I, I used to be an athlete many years ago and I was fairly competitive and mm-hmm. I could be pretty tough. And uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I come out a little heavy when, when, <laughs> when somebody's threatening me. What kind of athlete, what, what sports did you play? Well, I started off as a high jumper. No way. Yeah. A little track yeah. and field. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I love track and field. I yeah. did really well in track and field in high school and breaking records and things like that but high jump became my love and um yeah ended up um ended up with a silver quebec medal way back in the in the day and then um i was in phys ed in uh in university and so Mm -hmm. jumped a bit there and then um dealt with shin splints and things and and eventually uh went to rowing and that became my true love so yeah yeah to this I, day you're a rower do you go out well my poor old rowing shell i have a nice single rowing shell that i got back in the day and uh yeah it's got dry rot so <laughs> i'm not i'm not out in a nice boat like mm-hmm. a racing shell and that's that's really the nice one to to play around in yeah do you the ever other go one, to like cascade uh, or, or is that still a thing is that a club do you, uh, think, do you need oh, rent boats there or just uh, well no it's a it's a private club that um they do mostly dragon boating and i think okay. now they've got well and also uh, canoeing the um uh i know they've got uh, the i think i think you call it k2 or c2 the the uh, canoeing uh, boats and they've got some really, really successful athletes. We've got a good little collection and good um, competitive program and good uh, coaches and everything. But I haven't been involved in that because it's not really... Rowing shells are a little bit fussy to store and they're hard, you know. What is a rowing shell? Well, a single rowing skull is uh, you whip it up on your head upside down. Not you upside down, the, the boat upside <laughs> down. And walk it down to the water and it's like 27 feet long. Okay. And that's just for and one person. Super narrow. Yeah, super super narrow. I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you can have if you have two oars, you're a sculler. Okay. So there's the double and the quad. And then if you are a sweep oarsman, you each have one oar, and that's there are um, pairs and and uh, fours and and uh, all the way up to the eights. Yeah. So I was a sweep oarsman. That was my specialty, and and a pair and just reconnected with my old pair partner she's in she went to um vancouver and this is cal is a beast i'm not allowed to call her big okay <laughs> but she makes me look petite yeah <laughs> that's how you know i could honk on the oar right because <laughs> she was big i mean she was strong yeah. <laughs> i'm not allowed to call her big because you're tall how tall are you well, I everybody thinks I'm taller than I really am. It's probably because I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm I about five eleven. Yeah, yeah, that's tall. Yeah, so put on a pair of shoes and you yeah. hit the six foot, and everybody thinks you're six feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, no, she uh, she was taller than me and 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 big. Oh, I mean, not big. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Powerful. Not to call her big. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so you had a really good technique because otherwise you go crooked all the time or because you each got one or and, um, uh, she would always get mad if I was using the rudder because there's drag when you use the rudder because the, I was the bow person mm-hmm. and you're going backwards, right? When you're, that's the difference. Let me tell you between rowing and the other, uh, boats is you're going backwards. So right. Don't get in our way. Yeah. That drives yeah, you right. nuts. So yeah, if you and there's a little pedal that you can use on your on your footstop, and uh, and and there's a little um, wire that goes down to the the stern, and then there's a little thing like that a turns. wheel kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, turns, yeah. yeah. And it just it just steers it, but you don't want to be steering in a race. You got to have the feel to go straight, right? So you can just so lift it. You're so connected because you're 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 just totally totally connected. I was going to say you person. must get really close with your rowing partner. Very. It's a symbiotic yeah. relationship. You're like one. It's like a, it. you're a machine. It's, Got you know, it. 
Yep. Because like you said, if not, you'll be going in circles or you got dropping it. on one side. Or it or, would not be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you get, yeah, and, and I mean, you get so smooth that, um, you know, you can feel uh, just little tiny. It gets so subtle when you get to that level. You know, we, we I got to like a national B level, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're when you're doing that kind of stuff, it's really fun. And we were technique rowers. We liked really doing a lot of technique. So we spent a lot of time, you know, you spend hours on the water. And my whole job was to just do what this person's doing in front of me. Exactly. Right. So, you know, angle of the back and, and tip of the arms, and except I'm doing the opposite, right? So I would watch her shadow and, uh, yeah, just try to mold into being her shadow. It was, it was a great experience. Learned a lot. And it, I bet. And it's like you said, you must be so attuned to all the little things when you're going, like... If the oar gets in the water in a weird angle, you probably feel that, like just the Everything. slightest little... Everything. And and then you add the variables. So if you have a, a headwind, it sets up the boat. So you're very balanced, but you're not going as fast because you got a headwind. If you got a tailwind, it destabilizes the boat, so you have to change your technique to because you're you're less stable so yeah and you want to catch the wind with your oar and there's all these little things so you just have to adapt yeah it's great uh, that was a good part of my life and uh i'd have to say probably the most life lesson well no actually you get the most life lessons from having kids but that's, yeah. <laughs> that's another chapter anyway <laughs> my uh yeah i think from my sport uh i got a lot of life lessons yep and how long had it been because you say you just reconnected with your rowing partner how long had it been since you guys seen each other each other Oh, uh, since we've seen each other quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but since, uh, since we spoke, she, she's a busy bee and, um, she had sailed down to, they were starting to sail around the world and she went with this guy who, uh, who was her partner at that point, I guess. And anyway, they got to Ecuador and the boat broke down, stayed for three years and then they split up and then she went back to, so we really lost touch and then we regained a bit, uh, for a while and then I think she was off again. I'm not sure. So anyway, but her current partner is, I love him. He's, he's great. And uh, yeah, so we, we speak. We don't get to see each other. Right. Yeah. And so now when you go out in your, in your shell... It's, I don't. Oh, you don't. It's, okay. it's been a few years. Right. Yeah, I gotta figure out what to do about this dry rot. Yeah, yeah. So I'm probably gonna have to do something terrible to it and coat it with, uh, you know, there's various types of coatings mm-hmm. that you don't want to do if it's a racing shell. But it's a drag or something. Yeah, it's yeah. heavier, right? right? But I don't need to be fast. I just, yeah, I love my boat. So. Yeah, just to go out. I don't know if it's if it's fixable, but but uh, we'll see. Because are you close to the river where you're from? Yeah, or, right I mean, on the river. Are, right yeah. on the river. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah, you mm-hmm. need to fix that. Yeah. Would, would uh, if you go out on a kayak or canoe, would that be a betrayal to your to your discipline or no not at all but but if i go out in no because it's a different it's a different vessel you know and and the technique is all i i always thought i'd be good at kayaking because uh, i tried it once and I, I i got the i got the feel for it but um uh no but if you do go out in a rowing shell that's like one of those learning ones you know they're more stable it feels like you're rowing a bathtub i mean oh, i just right? I, yeah, I can't do it i can't do it. are they t- wider and like yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're just more stable for people to enjoy, right. right? And 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 it's hard to enjoy a racing shell. They're so tippy, and also um, the way a rowing shell works is it's like a bicycle. If you just sit there, you will fall over. Right. So you have to use the oars to stabilize. And most of um, when people fall in, it's mostly at the dock when they're getting in and out. So yeah, right, yeah. it's not a whole lot of fun for a beginner. And actually, when my rowing partner and I, um, when we were rowing. Uh, just we got kicked out of the uh, Olympic Basin, which was our home. Uh, but the yeah, the canoers came along. It was the World Canoeing Championships, and so they cut they they kicked us out of our home, and we had to go down to Busherville, which is rough water for a rowing shell. Mm-hmm. We're kind of delicate, us folks. And um, so we were we that that spring we were rowing this. Uh, oh, it was it was heavy. It was a bathtub. It had more epoxy than it did wood. <laughs> Oh, is that right? Oh, it was it was a brute, and then um, we when we got back into the basin, they said, "Geez, we've got this uh, this beautiful uh, German. It's a Stempfli. That's the uh, the trademark name of it." And we're like, our eyes just went, "What? You have a Stempfli in storage?" And we took it out, and we could barely row it. 
and here we were pretty good rowers, you know. Because it was it so was tippy? It was so tippy because oh, it was, yeah. oh, it was beautiful. It was a pure racing shell. It was beautiful. And you couldn't hear um, when the boat goes through the water, often you'll hear bubbles. Well, that means there's friction. When there's no friction, it's just, oh it's my like God. a blade like, going oh through. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yes. But we were kind of, yeah, we looked like beginners. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> did you get the hang of it? Were you well, we sure did. Yeah. We got fast in that boat. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we got fast in that boat. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Would, that, would you say that's like your passion still, even though you haven't done it in a while? It would be. I think elements uh, of it are my passion. Like mm-hmm. what, and I was, I had a phys ed degree and, and so, you know, I was always a jock and, um, uh, I wasn't quite in with the cool kids, but the jock people thought I was okay in high school because I was pretty good at sports. And then the music people thought I was okay because I was pretty good at music. So I never really belonged to any of these crowds, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was really into sports psychology and that's what I had wanted to do at the time. And, um, so we, implemented a lot of the the techniques and things and of course our hero was terry orlick who lives on meach lake and uh that was before you know i came here so um yeah we used a lot of his uh uh all his ways of of planning and setting goals and and um little tricks and preparation you know when things go wrong um you plan for it mm-hmm so it's not really anything going wrong. It's like, oh, this is plan D. You know, yeah, it's doing... Expect, yeah. expected sort of <laughs> Exactly. Thing. Yep, you yeah. got it. Oh, yep. cool. And uh, so since you've been to Wakefield, you've immersed yourself... Uh, well, I mean, you've always been around, mm-hmm. but you've, you're very involved with Theatre Wakefield. Yeah. And yeah. What, what do you do there? Well, uh, I do whatever... Whatever they ask mostly you to. Mostly acting. Yeah. Mostly acting. That's that's uh, what I enjoy. And um, But I mean, if I'm not involved, I'll just dress up and go to an event. That's yeah, kind of yeah. what I do. Yeah. So, I don't know. I always like dressing up. <laughs> Why not? If you can <laughs> do it. Was. And what a more embracing community to do it than Wakefield. I'm telling you. you I know. <laughs> and nobody seems to mind if yeah. I show up and kind of, you know, whatever. And then it kind of morphed into, I'm pretty good at doing the 50-50 draw, you know, at any event, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, or if it's a raffle or whatever, you know, door prizes, things like that. That kind of became my calling. So, you got to choose which hat you're wearing, you know? For sure. I, I mean, literally, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you were, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a, la- a hat with a light on it. So when you're in business, you, you turn on the light and then they know you're coming around to get their money, right? <laughs> get your 50-50, yeah? <laughs> yeah, you got it, you got what, it. Uh, what's the production you just finished uh, with uh, Ian Tambling you were uh, telling me for? Oh, uh, we're uh, we're in uh, morning mode today because uh, it's the last day. Well, it was last it was day last yesterday, day, yeah. yeah. And it was such a great group of people. You must get the bond so much, you do. At, like a deep level that it's like a breakup every time a production finishes because you're together Absolutely. day in day night, day in day out. And well, just- and and we weren't day in day out. It was just a nice amount because um, we we spent two weeks, a little over two weeks in July. And uh, it was a full-time rehearsal, six days a week, 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And so we were with each other day in, day out for the, the two and a few days, um, two weeks and a few days. And then um, we did performances every weekend. So some weekends we'd have two in a day, two on Saturday. We didn't usually do four. We'd do like one on Saturday and two on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And some week- weekends it was only one on each day. Uh, so yesterday was performance number 19. Wow, I know. That's a good run. I know. It was a great run. And it was all the local communities. It was, it was, um, such a positive experience. So you were touring this thing around? Yeah. Whereabouts? Yeah. Like, well, it, it's, um, a historical, um, uh, there was a trilogy of, of, uh, three plays. And so this was the third. And uh, so he established the the local stories. And this year he decided to focus on the Cantley Picnic because the Cantley Picnic ran for over 100 years. I think close to 120, I'm not sure. And um, so that was the focus of the play. And, um, 
you know, we kind of raced through time uh, in the play itself so they could see, you know, some of the uh, changes uh, with the dams that were coming and, and, and so on and electricity and all that and, and how Cantley was actually quite ignored by uh, the, Quebec, the Quebec government. So they decided to have a protest and um, uh, it, every bit of that play was real stuff. Well, maybe oh, not. Yeah. Okay, maybe not the dancing cows. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, that part wasn't maybe quite as accurate. But um, uh, yeah, all the stories he interviewed, all local people around Cantley in the area, and used all their stories to put our dialogue together. So, so all the little laughs and things they were based on real stories. And and that oh, when you, we went to Cantley the other day. Um, to do, we went twice. We opened it in Cantley, and then uh, on Saturday we were back in Cantley. And one of the key um, uh, characters is Maurice Gautier, and uh, he's known as the French charmer. He could mm. dance the buckles right off your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was sitting there in the front oh, row. Oh, no way. And he was 94 oh, cool. years old. Wow. And when you're singing a song about Maurice Gautier, and it's a very beautiful, tender song at the very end of the play. And you're looking at Maurice Gautier watch himself on stage. That's a trip, yeah. <laughs> And it was a very touching last scene. It was like, oh, my God. It was like I was looking at him looking in a mirror, you yeah. know. Uh, it was very, very touching, very... Uh, uh, very special, yeah. So you asked me where, I think, and yeah, all the local communities. So we played in Quillon, um, uh, we played in Casbazwa, um, Brennan's Hill, uh, Lowe, um, um, Bristol, uh, Chelsea, Wakefield, Wakefield. What kind of venues, like little theaters or outdoor yeah. theaters? All both? of the above, yeah. community oh, yeah. centers, churches. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, totally... Uh, um, all the little communities that are around. Yeah, Pultmore Fair, that was another one. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, you know, some of them are, are designed for us, some of them are not, so we had to adapt. But when you're doing a run of 19 plays, you can figure out how to adapt, you know, so... For sure, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I assume that with each performance, it just gets more polished and, and tighter and... Yeah, well, and, and I think we can bring out the subtleties. And actually, that was a really, that was a new experience for me because most, I'm a total amateur. With, I started with um, Theatre Wakefield in about 2007 when my kids were old enough that I could start doing uh, some, some projects. And um, we generally have a run of maybe, you know, five shows. So you're just getting the hang of it by the time it's That's over. Right. I guess I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> <laughs> opening night is like, wow, well, I hope we can get through this. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, I get that. It's a little tense, yeah. yeah. So um, I've never had the opportunity, not being a professional, like some of the people I was working with. I was working with people who have careers in uh, their, their equity actors and, and musicians and and so it was a lot of fun and it was a summer for me I felt like a kid because I took a break from work this summer and did this play and I did my move and my move was a bit of a fiasco so I actually was going to Pultmore first and that didn't work out so I had to find a new place and put my stuff in storage and yeah it was crazy so I had I kind of just had this lovely summer of uh I don't know, the summer affair. That's great. What <laughs> was the really name of that production? A summer affair. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and did Ian write it? He wrote it and he wrote the music. Jeez, that guy is just a wealth of creativity. I mean, well, he's he has had, uh, I believe, twenty some uh, plays having been staged at all kinds of places like that's you know insane. a little place like the nac and yeah. you know that kind of that's stuff. crazy and i was just told he's now recording his 44th music mm -hmm. album yep how does one person create so much well, you gotta, in one lifetime you gotta talk to him i know i want to <laughs> if you're listening to this ian i want to there you go yeah that's so cool and so you said you're kind of new at this uh, acting thing do you have any background in that or, or was no, it just a passion I'm, or just a whim how did you get into it well, I don't know. I guess I was always kind of uh, interested, but I didn't take any... I, I did take a bit of drama, and, and I always took music in high school, and 
Um, but in those days, uh, we were cutting back. We didn't have big uh, productions like they used to when my older brothers and sisters went through the high school. They had, you know, a drama department with costumes and they would have big events and everything. And uh, uh, by the time I went through high school, they were cutting down on things in Quebec. Yeah. So uh, we didn't have all that. And you could take a, a class in drama and, and, you know, do some small stuff. And that's all I, that's really all I did. And I remember my mom saying, well, you know, that's nice, but like, you can't do that for work. <laughs> so I thought, oh yeah, okay, I better not go in that direction. So yeah, I went the jock route and phys ed and, yeah. and that's actually my real work, which is in that side of things. So Is it? Because you said you took the summer off. I was going to ask, what was it that you were doing that you took the summer off? Well, um... It's first summer I, I had the pleasure of just taking for myself. Um, no, I'm, I'm something called a pedorthist, and a lot of people don't know what that is. They'll say, pedo what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it's basically, I'm a specialist with lower body mechanics. Okay. So a lot of people around Wayfield, they don't know that side of me, and um, actually I'm, I'm, I'll be starting to work locally now. So, yeah, I look at how people walk. Uh, one of my specialties is um, leg length differences, whether they have an actual one or they don't have an actual one is one of the things that, that I'll look at. And, um, you know, like um, uh, deformed feet, if they need uh, custom shoes, you, I've made shoes that cost $2,500. And like they're orthotics, but souped up big souped up yeah. yeah yeah the whole shoe and and usually if it's at the high end of the uh, cost range you're you're looking at a boot which you know people are uh, they come from other countries they didn't have the benefits of the health care that we often have in Canada there's a lot of stuff that you'll see that uh, you wouldn't see in modern day stuff so some of our clients are older or for, from other countries or um, they have uh, congenital abnormalities and and um, uh, we just try and make them walk better. So, you know, ankle braces, knee braces, um, and, uh, of course the orthotics and the footwear is my big thing. So yeah, I often give people footwear advice, whether they like it or not. My people that know me, right. I try not to give people that don't know me advice. Where do you work out of? That's crazy. Uh, well, I've been working, uh, mostly in the Ottawa area for, um, wow, since, I've been doing this job uh, since 99. Wow. Yep, yep. I, Almost uh, 20 years. Yep. And it's not specifically based out of one office or whatever? You travel or? Well, I've done both. Right. So I worked for myself. I was a single mom with four young kids. And so uh, I had to figure out how to make a living real quick. And um, so I started doing my own appointments, working out of other um offices so I, I you know had my day in with the physio uh, group and then I'd have another day in with the at the chiropractic place or at the doctor's clinic or at the hospital or whatever and and it was all around Ottawa mostly and then um, uh, the um, need to be certified at a higher level was coming in with the insurance companies to mm -hmm. approve um, orthotics and footwear and that kind of thing so um, I went and got my certification and I had been doing it for eight years and I thought, yeah, yeah, just, just give me the, give me the certificate, you know, <laughs> and I, I went through the program that, um, you go through to, to be certified and I was like, holy cow, this was, was tough, yeah? really tough. Did you yeah. pass the first time around? Uh, I did, but, um, when I went in to do my exam, there was a chiropractor there and, um, I might have muttered an expletive because he was on his second try. Is that right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. If, yeah. he can't, if he's back again, because I knew he had written the last time. Um, but it's it's a very intensive program. And a lot of people don't know, you know, us pedorthists, it's a newer, um, it, it's a newer, uh, more, how do you say, more newer, um, newly recognized um, profession that um, a lot of people know podiatrists, they're a doctor right. of the foot. Mm -hmm. but they're not the biomechanical specialist. The surgeon, of course, has to know how the ankle works and all right. that stuff. They're cutting into it. But they don't know the implications of what materials to walk on. And they also don't know a lot about prevention necessarily because if I'm a surgeon, I open you up and I fix what's wrong. Uh, I may not be an expert in preventing what's wrong if I'm not interested in that side of it. 
and uh, <clears throat> and also in preventing the next surgery that will occur if they don't wear the right kind of shoes and that kind of thing. So, um, or do the right exercises or whatever. So surgeons uh, are, have their specialty, and and as do the the others. You know, foot care people they're there to help with skin conditions and <clears throat> toenails and and various uh, things that cause pain at the surface level. And and then you've got chiropodists, and there's all these different um, people related to um, the feet, but we're really lower body mechanics. So I often will work in with the physio and say, hey, can you strengthen up their hip abductors and that will help him toe out properly. Or So we look really from the, um, the pelvis down. Mm-hmm. So if you see me watching people walk... <laughs> I do it constantly. Is that right? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't stop. Do you ever, do you ever get the ears to stop someone on the street? Oh and yeah. Go, By the way, I can oh, fix yeah. this. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we'll be sitting at the stop sign, and I'll be, you know, sitting there with the steering wheel in my hands, and my, I'll watch the person walking in front of me, and my kids will go, "Just don't," because <laughs> I'm about to say, "See her? She's got a longer left leg, or she's coming heavier in this side, or you know, she's she's got a restriction in her calves, and uh, she has bad ankle mobility and all this yeah, stuff." Yeah. And they're so used to it, but I'm noticing now that they're catching it a lot quicker. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's been years of me going, "Now watch this. See, notice how she's heavier on that side." And we'll be going down while they're walking on the sidewalk. Oh yeah, That's all the hilarious. time. All the time, you yeah. Have four yeah. kids, you said. I have four. I collect them. Yeah, you collect them. I have a collection. Good. Yeah, good collection of kids. <laughs> yeah. How many girls, boys? I have uh, and my oldest daughter, Emma, is um, she's 24 now. Is that right? Yeah, and she flew the coop last year. You don't and look like you could have a 24-year-old. Oh, crazy. you're good. You're good. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I mean it. <laughs> and uh, and then there's Riley, and he's uh, 21. And if you go buy pizza at um, the Wakefield MJMD, um, well, like around Luigi's, it, or, we call it Luigi's. But yeah, it's that not was anymore. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you'll meet my guy. He's always got the hat in the kitchen there. Okay, and that's and Riley. That's Riley. Okay, cool. And then I have my twins, Eden and Avery. Oh, yeah, twins. And yep, I have yeah. twins. And um, uh, so Eden's going to Algonquin, and uh, Avery. Yeah, if you go into the Chelsea Bakery, Avery's working there right now. Oh yeah. He's cool. taking a semester off from school to yeah. to figure out what he wants to do. So but they're kind of all ingrained in the community at some level. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they they had to hang around while I was doing all these plays and things. Right. So. When I came to rehearsal, often they'd be off skateboarding or whatever. And I do remember a few shows where um, I had to usher them through and say, okay, guys, this is the prop table. If you touch it, somebody will kill you. Because, yeah. <laughs> and do not joke back here and don't, because it gets tense, okay? Now, if anybody gets mad at you, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And they were like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and a prop table is so tempting. I mean, it's oh, just all of this good stuff on there. Well, or just to put your drink on the prop table because yeah. you've got no other place to put it, right? right. Do not do that. Yes, that, that could be death. <laughs> that's, that's so great. they learned a little bit, I think. And, um, and they're musical as well, and uh, so I, yeah, I've got some really musical kids. So, Are you musical? You play bass. You said you had a bass. Yeah, in the car. I have the upright bass. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. So I started that. That was a few years ago. Actually, I did that. How do you pick that up? No pun intended. I know it's yes. you squat. <laughs> use your use your legs. <laughs> Yeah, well, good old Jeff Burbage. Jeff Burbage is uh, a local Chelsea guy. He does the fo- the uh, card photography, you know. Okay, And yeah. he plays a whole bunch of instruments. And uh, I said, Jeff, you have to show me how to use the bass. And so uh, he said, yeah, yeah, I'll show you. And I had played the tuba when I was in high school. I just I wasn't into doing girl stuff, you know, because mm. <laughs> I was a jock. Yeah. And so I wanted to play the tuba. And uh, the heaviest brass you got. You got it. And I was always late for the bus, and everybody would laugh at me because I would come running down the hill at full speed carrying my tuba. <laughs> <laughs> and the case was broken, so I had to like hug it, you know. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, yeah. So I had I had an ear for bass, and uh, I just I wanted to try it. So he goes, Well, here I'll show you a simple tune I got it right away he goes you've done this before and I'm like no I haven't so I went off and learned a few tunes and I came back and he goes you've been woodshedding it and that's when you go in behind the woodshed and you practice like crazy it's really good and I said no I haven't yet but that gave me an indication that maybe I should give it a try you know cool (laughs) yeah and where do you play now do you play with Um, people or well um we have a duo 
and um, there's uh, Rob McCart is a local Wakefielder, and you might know um, if you don't know Rob, his wife does. She's an author, and uh, she's done um, travel books. And okay. they're in Iceland right now, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> I know. And um, so, uh, yeah, Rob is this funny character, and he always likes the kind of offbeat tunes. And I noticed that open mic, I always liked his weirdo music, and he always knew his stuff. He doesn't, you know, if, if he's on stage, he doesn't have his music. He leaves it behind. <laughs> he's like a go-for-it kind of guy. And he plays the ukulele, and I thought that was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, we have a duo, and we're called How's My Hair. No way. Cool. Yep. Where, yep. where do you guys play? Where, where can we see you? Well, I don't know. We'll have to come up with something. We, uh, we've just started, you know, here and there, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we got rained out at Fairbairn, so, so we're looking for... Um, oh, did you have a, a Monday booked? We there? had a oh, Monday no booked, way. and so everybody's been asking us, well, aren't you going to... But it's, they're all booked up, right? Yeah. And um, getting into the fall, it doesn't really work because it gets cold and it gets yeah. dark and... So, yeah, we have to replace our Fairbairn uh, yeah, event, yeah. and uh, so it'll, it'll come. You'll see us around. Very <laughs> hey, good. Yeah, I love those Mondays, because I can hear them from here. I just open it with the oh, windows open. Nice. It comes in as of clear course. as day. Of uh, course. Up the hill. Up, right up the hill. Like, super clear and loud. Like, nice. we can have you having dinner at the table, have these windows open, and it just oh, comes in. It's, yeah. Or even in the backyard, because, like, you saw the wood back there. I've yeah. had a fire going for, like, three weeks straight. And I'd be just on Monday night, stoking the fire and a little yeah. music coming up the, the hill. And sometimes I'd just grab a road pop or two and walk down there and, and check it out. There but, you uh, are. Well, that's good old Paul Hempsey running that thing, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's a lot of volunteer time for mm-hmm. good old uh, Maison Fairbairn. And uh, half of it goes to La Maison and half of it goes to the that's uh, right. the artist. And geez, what a great event. I, you know, sometimes it takes a little while for an event to catch on. And this year there were people there every, there used to be something in Chelsea called Musical Tuesdays. Mm. And um, that was put on by the municipality in all the various parks. I think they're still doing it. Um, and so uh, when Fairbairn started the Musical Mondays, it was nice to see something in this area. So, yeah, it's a great, great, great event. I, I try and go every time if I can just to support it. It's, yeah. And, yeah, yeah like one. you said, it was all really well attended. Uh, was. I mean, every time I was there, there was a bunch of people and kids running around. Mm-hmm. It's just like kind of like this nice, the sunset. Oh, my God. It's yeah, yeah, pretty special. And I can bring my dog, you exactly. know, and he loves it. And he's a big old Great Dane. And Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I saw you there. That's where I saw you. Because when oh, yeah? I came up here, I'm like, oh, my God, I've met her before. Oh, okay. That's yeah, happened yeah. a lot with the people I've interviewed yeah. because I don't know the name maybe. We communicate and they show up here. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know you. Yeah. That's definitely where, um, were, were you there when Pat Marr was uh, playing? Yep. Yeah, I saw, I yep. think I pet your dog on my oh, way out. okay, okay. Actually, Me I did. and Albert. Yeah. That's Albert. Okay, yeah. Albert. Yeah, he's a good boy. I saw because <laughs> I sat under a tree there and I watched for a bit and then I was coming home and you were sitting close to the path to go up okay. like that, that back way okay. in that I take. Yeah, yeah. And I pet your dog quick yeah. and then I left. He's That's a good boy. Funny. Yeah. yeah, he had a whole bunch of kids uh, fawning all over him and... <laughs> They're majestic <laughs> animals. Oh, he's a good boy. And gentle. And, and yeah, he was a rescue from the SPCA. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, he was in bad shape. He Is was right? somebody had starved him. Oh, jeez. I know he was a full-grown two-year-old uh, Great Dane. He weighed 99 pounds, Whoa. and he was not supposed to weigh 99 pounds. How, it looked, how looked much? like his head was too big for his body. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. How much does he weigh now? I think we're up to about 135, 140, yeah. about. And, yeah. and you know, he might be a little heavy. I try and watch that because he's eight now and they can get stiff if they're too heavy, you know. Mm-hmm. So I try not to let him gain too much. But he got into the compost today. So, yeah, he's going <laughs> to He loves compost. Yeah, they're such great dogs. Uh-huh. Ironically, they say they make great apartment dogs. Well, they're not difficult. You know, I've had... I'm a dog person. I mm-hmm. used to show... My sister had this uh, beautiful purebred Doberman when I was a teenager, and my sister and I used to go to the big, big, big shows, you know, and we'd show them, and and, um, I got into all the dog breeds, and, you know, I've had dogs my whole life, apartments or not, student or not, well, not quite during my student days, but just after I finished being a student, I got a dog right away, and uh, I have to say, this one is... It fits all my description of the ideal dog, you know, and I never wanted a Great Dane because they don't last very long. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, 
he's just, he's sweet, he's easy. And, uh, you know, after 10 minutes of a run, he's like, yeah, okay, this is good. (laughs) (laughs) And he's a bit fussy, you know, it can't be too hot, it can't be too cold. And, you know, he's not tough. (laughs) What's their life expectancy of those dogs? Mm, They say 8 to 10. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's great. He's eight now. We're going to do fine. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, you know, SPCA will tell you he's purebred and yeah, not so sure. So it's hard to tell when they've been malnourished, if are they small and, you know, not, not a good looking dog because, um, well, he's a good looking dog. He's just maybe, I, I call him a good Dane. <laughs> he's not a great Dane. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping if he's got a little bit mixed in there, we might get a few extra years out yeah, of him. We'll see. Good. He's in pretty good shape right now. Hopefully he has a little chihuahua in him. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> yeah, you never go know. Go to 18 years old. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're making me want to go to YouTube. It's got to be on there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting meeting, Rachel, to see. I'm sure. Uh, and what's, uh, what's next with you? What are you working on now? What's coming up? What are you doing? What's going on in Jill Rick's world? Wow. Gosh, that's a good question because uh, this was a real transition summer for me. Mm-hmm. I left I left my home of 22 years uh, in Chelsea, and it was a great little house at the end of a dead-end street in the village. You know, I was in a really perfect spot, but, yeah, it's hard to hang on. If you're single, it's hard to hang on to a house and take care of it. And, yeah. And the value was just plummeting because I wasn't able to take good care of it. So, uh, yeah, left it behind, and... Uh, uh, really uh, lightened my load, and uh, so I I took this house share, and it's allowing me the ability to renavigate. And so, and the play was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect mm-hmm. because there was some pocket money for the summer, and because uh, they actually paid you to do this. For sure. That, yeah, well, yeah. it's a funded uh, program by the. Right. There's. Um, and I should know what department uh, had funded <laughs> it. Yeah, I know, after the whole summer of hearing it. Um, but uh, anyway, so, yeah, I've got, I'm getting my motorcycle tuned up. And I think I need to go on a motorcycle trip. I said I was going to do it when the kids were little. <laughs> and uh, it's about time. So I'm going to go visit my rowing partner in Vancouver and then go south. Oh, like a full trip, like oh, a cross-country yeah, yeah. No, no, we're talking trip. the real thing, yeah. So next spring or something? Yeah, I yeah. think so, because I don't have my full uh, motorcycle license. And okay. I'm running out of time right. <clears throat> because it takes a while. Like, they, they, they book appointments and they want well, I didn't, I'm, I'm going to run out of time by mid-October, I think. I'll try for it if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, so got to do my motorcycle trip. So it'll probably happen in the spring, which would be perfect. And, yeah, we're making an epic uh, trip out of it. Yeah, I want to go down to the southern United States and, and um, hopefully stay away from politics, but uh, maybe talk music, you know, and go to the old... Uh, Cajun sites and and um, you know the the deep south music. I'd love to go to some Johnny's Bar and Grill, you yeah, know, or yeah, something, yeah. and and uh, get the old timers playing their squeeze boxes and fiddles and stuff oh, like yeah, that, for you sure. know. Yeah. And uh, I can't really bring my bass on, uh, <laughs> on unless I have Albert with me, and then I'll have to have a sidecar for the bass <laughs> and Albert. Yeah, I definitely don't pack well, that's light. That's an image I'd like to see. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I <laughs> definitely don't pack light. Yeah. So, yeah, I know, I keep saying to Rob, you know, like, this isn't fair if if we take turns where he comes to my house to rehearse and I go to his house. I think he should come to my house twice as often because he just has to pack a ukulele. That's right. <laughs> um, Share the load, Rob. Come on. You got it. You got it. But I do, I am a, I am a kazoo aficionado. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm yes. a kazoo gal. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I don't know how that happened. I didn't know if there was kazoo, kazoos and aficionado went in the same sentence. There is it? now. Yeah? There is now you oh. heard it here you wow. heard it here first yeah and actually this summer in the play i was a dancing kazooing cow mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. The first it really of its happened kind. It really happened so uh yeah maybe i can pack my kazoo yeah. on the bike but no now so i'm gonna start up um uh i gotta find a way to fund my new life mm-hmm. and uh so you're not going back to work well yeah i'm going to work for myself now Okay. So uh, I'm going to be starting in Wakefield mm-hmm. um, at um, Bruce Codron's little clinic um, just next to the old Alpengroos. Yes. And uh, I'm starting to book people. We're doing gait analyses. And um, 
Uh, I'll be working at a place in Ottawa as well, and I'll get back to making my own orthotics, which I prefer because you can have much more of um, uh, of a real orthotic that's actually doing something. You know, orthotics have gotten a bad name because a lot of them are junk, and a lot of them are used when they're not needed, and a lot of them are used for longer than they're needed, and people are not retrained how to go without an orthotic and uh, so, right. so well like and when you work when you work for clinics they just want you to sell shit right mm-hmm. so i've never done well at that end of things because i think you should do what the person needs right so sometimes they just need to strengthen muscles or sometimes they need to go off to the right practitioner like an osteopath or a physio or something like that so so yeah actually i think i'm going to be mixing my um pedorthic practice in with um kind of a uh, something I, I end up doing for a lot of my clients anyway, but it's more of a um, uh, health facilitator. So helping people find uh, a lot of people that come into me and are not getting the care that they need. It's because they don't know who to go to and they don't know what questions to ask. Um, and they think it's going to cost a whole lot, and often it is, um, but it usually costs more in the long run. Uh, when you can't go to work and you can't walk and all that stuff, they don't realize that physio is not as expensive as, as losing your job. So, um, yeah, I like that side of counseling people and things. So I'm going to be restructuring how I work and I think Wakefield's a great place to do it because, uh, I already have a lot of people that I've, I mean, I have so many people that, when I come in the room, they kind of hide their feet because they're not wearing their shoes. And they're, not, yeah. <laughs> they're not behaving themselves, yeah. you know. I'm like, no, I'm not paying attention. It's okay. Yeah. I'll watch how you walk, but I won't check up to see if you've got the right shoes. That's up to you. Anyway, so I do have a lot of former clients. I used to have a clinic in Wakefield, and uh, I'd like to reestablish that. Oh, so there you go. And there's a notion for you, putting patients' needs first. Wow, that's... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. kind of a concept. Well, you know, here's the thing, eh? When there's business... Uh, and a business needs to survive, and there's health care, and you put those two together, put a third thing, uh, which is a person in pain, and that's a very vulnerable person. Mm-hmm. And when you've got pain, you will pay anything, and then you've got a practitioner who is under pressure to just sell shit. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think... Uh, this is these are medical devices you know like i do compression stockings and things like that and braces and when it's a medical product uh i don't think you should have a closing rate i don't want my surgeon to have a closing rate you know like, right and and I, yeah that actually Makes happened sense. to me with my eyes is that right yeah it actually happened because i have early um cataracts mm-hmm. and uh, i have a very very strong uh prescription and so my eyes aren't simple, and, and um, I have um, uh, detached retina in my family, so they watch a um, couple of my sisters and me for that sort of thing. So I, I do the eye stuff well, you know, like I take care of my eyes. And, uh, and I went into this. It was like a factory setup where a whole bunch of you go in here, and they give you the drops, and then they herd you into the next room, and you all sit together. You know, I thought I had an appointment it was a group get together. That's what it was. So, and then you go into the next room, they've got you all there. And then, um, uh, then you go and see the first person for screening and then she has you sit elsewhere and then they do a test to see all your vision and all that stuff. Like, uh, more than just an eye test, it's, uh, your peripheral vision and light and dark and all that stuff. And, and then you get into this surgeon finally comes in the room, the fifth room you're in. And I don't know, he must have been 12 years old or something. <laughs> I think when you're getting older, you, everybody looks really young. Yeah, but yeah. I swear he was about 12 years old. He goes, okay. So when he has about a two-second look, and he goes, all right, so do you want the surgery? And I said, okay, so surgery for what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what surgery? And uh, like, what? how are you going to do it? And when, like, what are you talking about doing? You want me to make a decision? And I said, well, that's odd because the optometrist told me that you probably wouldn't offer it to me that I'm too young and it's not far enough along and he goes yeah yeah you know yeah you're right so let's let's make an appointment for next year and we'll see if you need the surgery then I thought oh Oh he's got a closing rate right and I know that because I've been in his seat and he's got a closing rate and he just has to get us closed I know 
I know. And that's who I don't want to be. Yeah. That's who I don't want to be. Forget that. And that's why I'm not in the clinics anymore. Forget that. <laughs> well, Jill Rick, this has been great. Where can people find you when you do decide to uh, to start up again and have your own practice uh, here in the village? Or? Well, I'll be announcing it. Okay. Um, and um, if not, they'll see me flying by in a costume or they'll see me on the <laughs> stage or something. Anybody in Wakefield can find me. I'm on Facebook. All right. Sjillrick at gmail.com. There you go. There you go. And if you see somebody flying by in a costume, hide your legs or your walking That's technique. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, it's been a pleasure. This has been great. It's been great. Thank uh, you so much. Is there anything much. else you want to add? Do you feel I don't good about think it? So. No, I do feel good about it. Yeah, this awesome. is great. You were great. Okay. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks so much. Watch All right. Head. It's such a beautiful waste of time. A waste of time. And there it is, another one in the books. Thanks to Jill Rick uh, for coming by. That was great. Thanks to you for listening. Always appreciate you, Wakefield. Mark the date. Save the date. October 12th at Le Ibu. Jen Grant, Julian Dion, and friends. And I had a stand-up comedy coming at you right here. All right. Thank you so much. Remember all the stuff off the top. Subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and all that good shiznit. You know what to do. And as always... Watch your head. It's just a waste of time. stone and Bethan comes down and yeah. like and and then you, you got Paul and you got like all the heavy hitters come in Phil Jenkins and and uh, it's like okay so I just have to buy a beer yeah yeah I know I know yeah that far exceeds the um, 
like it's a bit of an understatement open stage it's, it's crazy like the, the caliber of uh of the talent so and this goes on so i can hear yeah what right on saying. right at left oh, on left there you are this is your controls so you can go up and down whichever way you want that's your right volume. on right and left on left well, i don't yeah. know blue is right i think so <laughs> actually i think uh, blue is left left yeah oh it says right <laughs> okay there we go <laughs> success yeah, that's there great. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, so again, this is your volume, so you can uh, adjust that as you that's please. Good.